0: Have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships? My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach, and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com/slash/lara to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns, so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I'm excited to have Mara brand scum on with me. She is a mother, writer, yogi, artist, teacher, mindfulness leader, ceremonialist, and spiritual coach. She's the author of Ritual as Remedy, Embodied Practices for Soul Care. So you can imagine we had a very soulful talk. We talked about her background, how she spent a year in India, what led her to becoming someone who practices rituals, teaches the art of rituals, and created this book for anyone. We also talked about why rituals are important, how they can be healing and empowering and really help you get to know yourself better. Please enjoy my heart-filled conversation with Mara. Welcome, Mara. I'm so happy to have you on today. And before we dive into all the things ritual, I would love to hear about your background, how you got to where you are today. Mm.
1: Thank you for having me. That's a big question. Uh
0: I know <laughs> how, that could probably I, be the entire podcast.
1: <laughs> how I got here. You know, I feel like I followed the trail of my passions and what lit me up in always bending the traditional route. Um, I came from a you know, middle-class conservative family, I was blessed to be the fourth child. So I feel like I always got to choose the different way. I really think that some of the pivotal things that that happened to me, um, one, I started um, practicing yoga at a young age and found myself in, in India for a year, um, right off, right out of college. Um, and from there, I continued to follow all mind-body-somatic work weaving in the artistry of dance as well, which landed me all the while ritual was a huge part of my, you know, my love. And again, I was blessed at a young age at 16 to to go to my first fire ceremony that I think changed my life. So uh, all of these threads are woven into um, what is now the work, mm. which is ritual and somatic mind body work and you know leaning Whoop. into mm-hmm. all of that
0: what part of your background do you think kind of set the stage for this because i feel like everyone who goes mm-hmm. on a on the path and and eventually not even just your life but your profession um is wrapped in this inquiry um spiritual inquiry life inquiry, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's usually some seeds from your background, Mm -hmm. whether it was a reaction against or um, a following of a taste of it. Was Mm -hmm. there anything in your background that sparked this?
1: I believe that there's two things, and I'm just coming to this right now as we're we're speaking, so thank you for that. I was a gymnast growing up, in fact. I was, you know, um, competitive 30 hours a week trained my, you know, poured my childhood into this. And that was by choice. And it was always that it was just such a love for me. And I love to fly, tumbling, dance, you know, all of that. And so what that was, was discipline. It was like a deep, deep discipline, a deep practice. And it had rhythm to it. And then paired with my love of nature. And I was gifted to have every summer of my whole life until I, you know, left the house to be at our summer cabin. So I feel like nature and discipline, if that makes any sense, um, like this, yeah, this framework to then be free inside it.
0: Yes. I often talk about discipline being a really good word that we need Mm -hmm. to embrace more because we need structure. The structure is actually what gives us space to be creative, to enjoy the elements in the world around us. Otherwise, it could just be, you know, minor chaos at, at best uh, or really major at at worst. And I think that, that it makes sense that your background of, um, yeah, 30 hours a week, that's a lot. Anyone mm-hmm. I know for dance and for gymnastics um, in those early years, creating that wiring, that habit of coming back and practicing. And a lot of that practice is repetitive. You know, it's not like novel every time. And there is a discipline in doing it because it it becomes ingrained and it strengthens and fortifies your body, your movement patterns, and ultimately, obviously many other things. Yeah. Um, so did you start after your trip to India, did you start teaching yoga when you came back to the States or came back to Canada?
1: Yes. Yeah. You know what? I actually, (laughs) I'm also a school teacher, so I had a degree in education as well. So I, I've always, I come from a long line of teachers um, in fact, and I did teach school, um, Waldorf school, which is um, I was a, I'm a Waldorf teacher. So I did that training formally. So you know what? Yoga was a quite a private practice to me. So it was very sacred. It was something I did alone. It was something that I did every day, and that I found right after I um, retired, essentially from gymnastics. I found Iyengar's Light on Yoga book in the university library when I was studying Eastern philosophy, and I was seventeen years old. And so that I I did eventually start teaching yoga, you know, shortly after I came home from India. But um, it was never my number one. It, it was it was this discipline, this form, this practice that there was so much freedom and and um, familiarity somehow. There was a familiar uh, energy that made me feel very at home. Mm. Mm-hmm. So how did you transition from that experience
0: or what a part of India was the, were the seeds for this idea of a ritual and the, and the, the ceremony that is involved in rituals. Mm-hmm.
1: So I um, was blessed to be a part of this group called Sisters of the Shields. And it was um, around the same time. Actually, it was before even I went to India. So I had been studying the pagan Celtic wheel of the year. So my ancestors are from Ireland, Scotland, and England. And so I found great resonance. And again, I, I stumbled upon this group and they... They welcomed me in and I had many elders that were um, mailing me in the mail because this was pre-internet. So I would get in the mail these envelopes of like the full moon ceremony to do that month based on the stars, the astrology and based on the seasons. And so those very formative and generative years for me as a young woman. And from that, I, I felt like I was gifted the permission to keep going, to keep finding um, the trainings that then I could, there could be a resonance that then I could offer it to the world. So that's, I feel that's what's happened is, you know, these traditions have come in and I've experienced them for the past 25 years, I would say, um, which has really culminated in the book and what's in the book.
0: Yeah. So before we launch into the book, explain to me and the listeners, like I mean I think we all intuitively know some of this but what are the benefits of having rituals having like an understanding yes. of the cycle of the year understanding of the cycle of the moon mm-hmm. what are the benefits of
1: those great question and you know for me the benefits are it's rhythm it's it's real it's in the you know every 29 and a half days we have the new moon You know, we have an opportunity to align with the new moon, which represents new beginnings. Twelve days later, full moon, which represents that kind of big, expansive energy out into the world. And how do we organize ourselves when there's expansive energy? And so, for me, it's about that contraction, that drawing in, and that expansion that we see in nature every step of the way. And so, so the benefits. You know, a ritual for me is anything done with intention. It's making our habits holy. It's making our habits conscious, especially the habits that we know are, are generative, you know, positive and life-giving to us. When we become conscious of them, suddenly the, you know, the voices that are, I'm not good enough, I'm not this, all that stuff. They'll still be there, as we know, through the meditative practice, but they don't become the largest, the biggest voice in the room. We get to tune in, perhaps, and and feel safe, feel calm, feel connected, feel grounded. Um, I feel those are some of the benefits. Mm,
0: I love that, and I'm sure this is in the book. But can you give us an idea, like, what are some of the rituals that you implement mm-hmm. for your own personal um, experiences, and that you probably also share in the book?
1: Mm-hmm. So I like to think about bookending my days with ritual, or you can call it habit, you can call it an active intention. So we really have to find the words that work for us. And I, I want this work to be accessible to everyone in the world, no matter what your lineage, what your background, what your knowledge is. So for me, I wake up in the morning, my practice is to light a candle. Um, that works for me. I, I don't go to my phone right away. I don't turn on lights. So I'm working with the natural light lighting the candle, I sit with the candle, and I call forward my gratitudes. I go one step further, I visualize my day going the way that I want it to go. And then I ask this question of myself, what am I opening to today? That there is two minutes. That is accessible to all of us. We are all so busy, but we can we can create that. That may lead into a breath work for me, for example, into a yoga practice, not always, but the lighting of the candles, the gratitudes, and the what am I evolving or what am I opening to today seem to really support me.
0: And and I'm just curious, like, what would, what would an answer to that be? Like, what you're evolving or opening to today, yeah. what would be an
1: example of that? Great question. And <laughs> I love this because it's this is us working with spontaneity again. Mm-hmm. So I'm not looking to, like, what do I want to be? So this morning, you know, what came forward is... I'm going to roll with the waves. <laughs> I'm going to roll with the tides, you know, of, of life. Life is big. Life is complex. We have all these deadlines and busy, busy. And, you know, that was really helpful information for me to receive this morning. So it somehow it allowed my nervous system to go, yeah, you've got deadlines, but you got this because you're going to roll with the waves. And we always know energy moves out, energy moves back in. And when we understand that and trust it, perhaps life will be less dramatic and less intense. Mm
0: -hmm. And probably less reactive.
1: Yes. And I imagine that
0: doing this in the morning, it's not only helpful, it's setting the stage for the day, Mm -hmm. but that it's, there's a freshness to it. So what people might not realize if they're very in their head, so to speak, and that Mm -hmm. question comes up and they start to like overanalyze it, there's, in the morning, there's this renewal that's already already present, whether we have gotten away from it or not, but there is this um, inner listening that can happen that might get cluttered if we try to do it later in the day. But mm-hmm. if we start off fresher, I think it sounds like what you're saying is you tune in to kind of your own compass, what your mm-hmm. needs are, what you, what you want. Um, and, and without this Attachment to whether you get it or not, but you've at least set that intention and it's, that sounds beautiful and have you found that that to be true, whether or not it goes the way you want it to be
1: exactly because you're dialing into a frequency of perhaps positivity uh good energy, you know instead of saying "I have to do this, how am I going to do this? I'll never be able to manage. Um, that's a tricky transition. Not sure if I'm going to make it. I just go with this fluid energy. And sometimes I know when there's tricky parts in the day um, and I do my morning visualization, I just I visualize them with a bit of light around them. We, uh, we all have to find our own way. But for me, the imagination, the power of visualization is really key here. And the point that you made about releasing the outcome is really, really important in all of this work Because sometimes the universe wants to bring us just a little different, you know, path, a little journey to get there. And when we stay open to that, we actually have a greater chance of receiving what is meant for us.
0: Mm, I love that. Now, you're also a mother. How do you feel like this ritual practices that you implement, these ritual practices help your mothering?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's a great question. It's been profound for me. Profound in that it's anchor, it's become an anchor. And it always has been. And my daughters, I have two daughters, eight and 11. And, you know, they've been with me the whole journey with the ritual. I never make it separate. I never make it like, oh, mama has to go do this. And it's like, it's always an open invitation, you know. so they they see me doing it. They um, sometimes participate, sometimes not. They choose um, at dinner again. I light a candle, no matter how rushed it is, just to anchor us. We have a centerpiece on our on our. Um, kitchen table that reflects the seasons so they build that usually and they're part of that um, again bringing beauty bringing joy into the home and um, in the evening uh, you know they're like oh mama can you put lavender oil on, on our feet again and so that become, you know there's evening rituals that we do just to bring the calming lavender oil the plants you know calming chamomile tea um, and so so this is been a, a huge part of both you know, my life and, and my daughter's life as well. And I love how you're saying
0: that ritual can mean different things. It can mean a habit because sometimes habits we think of as not necessarily great things because they are in a way de- de- defined by the fact that you do them almost automatically without a mm-hmm. conscious nature. And this is more of a, a bit of a habit that has a consciousness to it. I'm assuming that your kids are about to enter some more challenging years. Challenging, not not in a negative way. We've all been through it. Mm -hmm. But those are really formative years where they're starting to expand themselves, have doubt, have influence from, you know, outside culture. Um, Has that started to has that started to emerge at all in with the older daughter in particular? And mm-hmm. and how have, the, how have these rituals kind of grounded her or brought her or reminded her of, mm-hmm. of who she is and her power?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because, in fact, we did a ritual last night um, and it was Lionsgate, the Lionsgate portal last night. So it's, you know, the eighth month of the eighth year every year, which is a, a powerful time to drop in and, you know, actually journal uh, about what you want in your life and, and how, you know, how you want that, what do you want to manifest? And so, um, you know, my 11 year old is going into um, grade six, and she, um, her friend group, um, many of her friends have gone to different schools this year. So she's going on her own. So she's had a lot of fear and some anxiety around this. So we dropped in last night. And um we journaled about, okay, well what do you want to what do you want to create this year? How do you want to feel even though it's going to be hard going, you know, for your first year alone, how do you want to feel? she, she said, I'm, I'm, I want to be brave and I want to feel good.
0: <laughs> well mm.
1: those two things so simple, right And yes. she got it on paper and that right there is a nugget that may really support her And oh, absolutely. she knows, and she knows that we got her, you know. I was going to say, parents, and the anchor of
0: having it. such a nurturing and loving and open home life is is so immensely helpful. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's talk about your book. Um, many people think about writing a book if they've had something very, very meaningful in their life that they want to share. What was the inspiration for writing the book and how did you craft it out? I'm sure there's a discipline in that, in making it something for it sounds like the general public.
1: Mm -hmm. So the this was a course ritual as remedy. Um, It was called the art of ritual. And I wrote it as an online course that I offered for five years prior to writing this book. So I had the bones of the book. However, when I was teaching the online course, I did not think about that I was going to write a book. And then one day as I was flipping through the PDFs, because um, I was reorganizing the online course, and I just looked at the pdf and i said oh this could be a book and it literally flew out of my mouth and then i had a flash of me holding a book my book looked different than this cover against my bookshelf right there and i was holding it and i thought and it came so strong like a flash of lightning right down my spine and i thought "Uh oh i have to write a book now so that's how it was and the discipline was that um my morning ritual became writing very early 5 a.m 4 30 sometimes and because that was my time you know to be um, quiet and really connected not distracted by any sounds or my children and that's how it went and I organized it based um based on the elements um so And based on the Celtic wheel of the year and my really, my, my intention. And when I got that flash of insight and I, I mean, that doesn't come very often. I'm not saying I have these all the time. This was just a really clear message that it was time that I received it. And the other voice that came afterwards was it's for the collective. So the process and the discipline was waking up every single morning and touching the book and getting into it. Like no matter what I could do, if it wasn't that much, I still had to land every single day inside the work. The second part was I had to get over my own ego uh, constantly and say, uh, let it go. This is for the collective. This is not about you. This is not about you. This is for the collective. So that really supported me.
0: What was the not about you that was a challenge in terms of the ego as you're as you're mm-hmm. mentioning? Mm
1: -hmm. well self-doubt writing this and going you know who's going to actually benefit from this and is this really what i should be doing and you know all this writing is so hard It's
0: it's
1: (laughs) (laughs) and i love it too so it's hard and i love it so it has this double relationship which is wonderful because it gives the opposition gives the strength right and so yeah that was and i have a great writing coach and so that's that that was a wonderful piece where I was being supported and working with someone on this, which was profound. And, you know, really I learned so much in this process.
0: I bet in that teaching and learning that is just so cyclical, you know, one feeds Mm -hmm. the other when you learn something and then the ability to speak it, to teach it, um, makes it that much stronger in your Mm -hmm. own wiring and understanding, Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about the Celtic wheel? I'm very fascinated by that.
1: Yes. So the Celtic wheel, it begins in the east. Um, So think of a compass, north, south, east, west. Okay. So we're sitting, we start in the corner of the east, which is spring, because spring is kind of like mm, a little bit like that new beginning, that new year. So it generally starts there. And that's the element of air. So it's also spring equinox. So there's all sorts of beautiful symbolism. Um, inside that and it also connects to the heart center and lungs air the air we breathe so um, and then we move from the east down to the south that's the element of fire we celebrate summer solstice there and fire is about transformation reclaiming your inner child um, shedding you know old self letting old things die out of you that no longer serve you and then we move over to the west and that's the element of water that's where we um, celebrate fall equinox and um, it's about reclaiming creativity and working with flow and um, going into um, a state that is less rigid And we work to the north, that's the element of earth, winter solstice. It's a lot about reclaiming and um, understanding your own lineage, your lineage, so your ancestral lineage, perhaps your spiritual lineage, and working with Mother Earth really as, you know, that original ancestor of ours. And then in the center of the wheel, we go into the realm of ether. So that's how the book is structured. Mm. Also. So when you talk
0: about um understanding our ancestors, it, in what are the questions that you would ask? I mean, like how important it is is it to have had, say, a religious background? Or for those who had kind of no uh formal type of spiritual practice that they can summon in their background? Like how does one um how does one bring that into this? winter action of of ritual.
1: Mm-hmm. So with in terms of ancestry, I think it's really important for all of us to know and track. It. Maybe some of us can't because you know we're, we we've been adopted and we're not sure of that. So, you know, there's many different scenarios here. If you have a, an opportunity to track your own, you know, lineage, your ancestral lineage and study that just a little bit, you can kind of get into um you know, what were your ancestors up to? What was their craft? What lit them up? What made them, you know, what goodwill acts did they do? And, you know, that's also where we can get into some healing because also if there's some forgiveness that needs to happen, if there's some, you know, ancestral trauma, um, pain that needs to be worked with is very supportive for us as individuals to then go um, to align with, then who we want to be in this lifetime, what kind of ancestor do we want to be? And how do we want to pay? How can we bring the gold of our ancestry forward? And how can we release the stuff that is not serving this contemporary world? And, and so with that, you know, and, you know, winter also draws us in winter solstice draws us more into an inward state, um, where we kind of recalibrate. And I think that in a very busy complex world we're often out in the world and we're trying to be and do driving us in that that the the will almost that colonial you know or that that manifest destiny to like produce more create more do more be the best do the best we can start to untangle from that and really get to the heart of like what's true for us what you know what do we want to be in service to right now and and how can we be that so I'm not mm. sure if I really answered your question there. Yes. That, yeah? Yes.
0: Well, along those lines, mm. if someone was feeling unmoored or something and their their like big question is, how do I find my purpose? Yes. How do these ritual practices help someone find their purpose?
1: That's a great question. So... Because if you're doing a ritual rhythmically, let's say you're lighting a candle every morning and everyone, you can try it for the next seven morning, you know, seven, I say seven days, try something for seven days straight at the same time of day, see what happens when you call forward your intention of, you know, showing up uh, in your own authenticity, your own truth you're more likely to get connected to that purpose because the other stuff of like, what should I be? What should I do? Which is confusing because there's so many choices in this world today. Then perhaps they start to take a little bit of the backdrop and you start to connect to the center of your body, which is the center of the show. Um, not the center of the mind necessarily. So I always love to remind people and myself on a daily basis to put your consciousness into your guts, (laughs) to put your consciousness into the center of your body and, and check out your purpose there. And, you know, if that word purpose doesn't work for you, check out what, what's the center of your compass? What's the center of the flower inside your body? And can you feed her or him or they with, The the most deep respect, the most deep self-love, the showing up on a daily basis, even when life is hard, that you're showing up for yourself in some way. And whether that be that you're drinking um, eight glasses of water, or you managed to take your probiotic that day, or you managed to call your friend that you haven't called in a long time, that's showing up.
0: Mm -hmm. Since you mentioned friend, I'm curious, uh, this always is interesting when somebody chooses a path that has such a, uh, such a rich, um, understanding and devotion to it, such as your ritual practices. Have you found that this has ever been challenging in your friend or family groups?
1: That's a great question. It's taken a long time, for example, for my family, um, to understand what I've been up to all these years and they do now and it's so amazing and they've been very supportive so my parents went you know from really wanting me to take a traditional path of teaching being a school teacher or a college professor um, to then really you know because I kept at it (laughs) I kept at it I didn't back down and now they're the ones I send my manuscript to first you know so it's like so beautiful so beautiful because we have to stick with it and we just have to keep believing if that's what's true for us people who are ready to show up and support will now with the friend and family group in general that's a great question because I think sometimes when we do the work of spirit it can feel quite isolating Um, a lot of this work I'm doing alone at times And that's why I love sharing it too, um, because I feel like then we're gathering the energy and we're, we're, you know, we're changing lives together. And so in a way, what I've found, how I move that feeling of, you know, loneliness or isolation or like, um, is that I, I bring nature in as, as my allies and my, my collaborators. So for example, I have a tree that I visit every day, um, I have a one, I have a puppy that's one year old now. And, and so we, I'm on this walk with her every day. And then we go to the special tree every day. I call it the mother tree and she's massive maple. Like she's huge. And I just wrap my arms around her and my dog starts wagging her tail and doing the happy dance. Cause we're at the tree again. And that also that question of what am I opening to, or what am I evolving into today? I ask that again, at the tree, or I like, I look up at her and I say, okay, you know, how can I support you? Or, you know, how can you support me? So there's just, I just open to receive that. And then every single time I feel like I'm self-regulating with the tree, like my nervous system is receiving. And I think that goes a long way.
0: I love that. And I think that is as women in particular, I Mm -hmm. think this is important to hear because uh, men seem to – they don't seem to have the same pressures or or just, I guess, cultural ideas, constructs of friend groups, you know. Mm-hmm. Men can be solo and it's mm-hmm. – but sometimes um, starting from grade school, you know, girls, sisters, there's just a little bit more of that yes. um, need for a circle. And it isn't to say you shouldn't have that circle, but I love that you said – Open up the idea of support to other elements, mm-hmm. to yourself. Because if you could be your own friend, uh, you at the end of the day, that's really what we need. You know, outside mm-hmm. of our family, outside of our friends, outside of our possessions. Um, if we can sit with ourselves and really, really, be proud of who we are, I think that's much more powerful than having, a, you know, a rolodex of friends mm-hmm. and but having nature as an ally, I just – I love that because I I feel so similar. Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, I'm fortunate enough to live next to 500 acres of – and I take my puppy and um, there is just – it is – it does – there's nothing quite like it that calms calms me down and centers Mm -hmm. me and makes me feel um, both gratitude and also humility Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, we're really – just little specks on this world. And I think that's important to remember. Like we can contribute a lot, but we also can't take ourselves too seriously.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. And we are so blessed to be here at this time in this yeah. great time of change.
0: Yeah, exactly. We can we can feel it. And to be part of those, you know, those change makers that are that are out there. And and you're clearly one of them. So um I am just, I can't wait to read this book. Where can people find out more about this book? And you've set it up for anyone, um, for anybody that might still be wondering, like, what is the remedy you're talking about? What is kind of your selling point? Like, this is needed for you.
1: Mm-hmm. First of all, the book has its own site now, ritualasremedy.com, which then connects to my Mara Branscombe site. So just go Ritual as Remedy. And it gives a lot of background and it gives a lot of articles that I've written um, around ritual as well. And the remedy is, to me, being able to guide oneself hmm. on a daily basis. Being able to guide oneself on a daily basis. That changes throughout our life our practices evolve and they need to evolve. And so what keeps you steady, what's true for you, what's evolving through you. And the book, the first part of each chapter is the the prose and the second part is actual rituals that you can follow step by step. And this is part again of me, you know, really handing this book off out into the world is that make it your own. Make this book your own. Um, there's all sorts of journal prompts in it as well. Um, a lot of teachers have been sharing with me that they're using it also on their retreats and their practices, which is wonderful. So it's, it's, I, my intention is that people then go and, you know, figure out what works for them through this.
0: I love that. I, I love that because again, doing anything, a practice, a tradition, a habit, that makes you feel more embodied and more empowered is going to make you a better human, not only for yourself but for all beings around you. And I think that's what we need now more than ever. In in mm-hmm. many ways, we are in a very challenging and exciting, but also um, troubling time in our history. And and I we need to show up, and yeah. and not 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 be bystanders. So, mm-hmm. thank you so much for giving us that gift and that power to empower ourselves. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate talking to you, and I can't wait to read your book. Everyone check out Ritual as Remedy. Mara has so many wonderful tips for these embodied practices for self-care. And as always, I'm pulling for you.